0: Welcome to Midweek, a place where we dive deep into Scripture. So grab your Bible, a pen, and a notebook, and get ready to study God's Word. All right, good to have everybody here. Turn to turn your Bibles to John chapter 4. Uh, we're going to cover uh, verses 11 through 18. And let me just say to all of you that I always really appreciate any Christians who love to study the Bible. I wish every Christian loved to study the Bible. It, I mean, we need it more than we need oxygen because this is God's truth. And we need God's truth to combat the lies and to transform our thinking and to walk in the full, um, in the full um, wisdom of God and in His path. So I just appreciate all of you for desiring to study the Bible. And hopefully you're learning things on Tuesday night as we travel through John. We'll probably be in John about another year and then after that, we'll probably go into the book, Old Testament book of Daniel, which I really like Daniel. There's so much in there for today, prophetically and just application-wise. Um, so we left off with the Samaritan woman. We're going to cover the second part of her. Well, we're going to spend another this week and then two more weeks as we cover the whole chapter um, on the Samaritan woman. Um, Jesus has met her, and he asked for water, and he's using asking for water to introduce this idea of he has living water for her, which we know is salvation. Now, when he speaks of living water, you, you know, because we covered it last week, that she has no clue of what he's talking about. And if you think about the way John is building this gospel and, every, and everything that's going on, in John chapter 2, when he says, destroy this temple in three days, I'll rebuild it again. Well, think about that. Did they get it at the time? No, they didn't. They had no clue. And then you go to Nicodemus in chapter 3, as John's building his case, and he says, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Did Nicodemus understand that? And the answer is, no, he had no clue. And now you come to the Samaritan woman, and he talks about living water. Does she understand what he's talking about? And the answer is, No. no. But he's talking about salvation in every one of these situations. Now, I will add, none of them understood at that time. They didn't understand yet but they would understand as time went by. And he was laying these things out in life for them to bring them, obviously, to salvation. I got four, I think, fill-ins in your notes tonight. And the first one is this as we begin. She becomes sarcastic. I wrote that in there because I really enjoy sarcasm. Any amens on that one right there? Do you like sarcasm? I like sarcasm. I like sarcastic humor. I like stuff like that. I like to be around people that are sarcastic. It doesn't. I mean, it's not personal to me. I just enjoy. Are you nodding? Yes, because you like to be sarcastic with him. God bless you. Amen. We're well, going to take your name down right now for counseling later on. I'm <laughs> but um, but I really enjoy. It. And I think she. I think she's being a little sarcastic. Now we're going to pick up in verses eleven and twelve of John four, and it says this. She said to him, "Sir." You have nothing to draw with, and the well is, say deep, deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you, who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle? Now, <clears throat> this is a classic case, or sarcasm is a classic case born out of the natural man does not understand the things of the Spirit of God, right? Right? He's speaking spiritual things. She's taking it on a literal level, and, and she, she's not understanding it. Now, when she says, sir, you have nothing to draw with, think of her sarcasm. Wait a minute. You're going to give me living water? You don't have a rope? You don't have a bucket? Sir, you got nothing. So I think she's getting a little bit sarcastic with the guy because she doesn't know it's Jesus. She doesn't know it's God in the flesh, okay? She has no idea. This is just another guy at the well, and she's all over his case. She has, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Now, so she is saying the well is deep. You can't get to that water. You have no ability. But think about what she said in relation on the big picture with Jesus. Is Jesus going to go deep? Yes. Jesus has come to earth as the God-man to go to the depths of sin and suffering in all of our lives to bring us to salvation. Has he not? Now, let's go deeper than that even, okay? Jesus, he comes there because it says he's thirsty. John writes that he's thirsty. He asked the woman, give me a drink, okay? Question, how many have ever, how many are pretty familiar with the story in John 4? Just how many of you? Okay, do you ever find in that story that Jesus Ever takes a drink of water you never find that you will never see it nothing like that whatsoever so the question is was he really thirsty or better question what was he really thirsty for what really quenched his thirst because we're going to look at that again I think next week or the week after what quenched him what was it I think what he was really thirsty for was salvation for his creation amen to that one right there now remember, when the chapter began, it said that he had to pass through Samaria. Remember that? So now we find, here's his thirst. Here's what he's thirsty for. This is why he's got to pass through here, because I'm thirsty for the salvation of my creation, and in in a, in, a, in a personal way, there's this woman, and I know, because I know all things, she's going to walk right up at this time. I've sent my disciples away to get food. I'm going to start this conversation, but this is what I'm thirsty for. And he's come because, and he's thirsty because he wants us. Now, <clears throat> can I tell you what I think is funny in the story? Can I tell you that there's some humor? Anybody ever notice Jesus is funny, or the Bible has some humor? Anybody ever notice that? Okay, can I give you a side story on that? I think there's some funny things. I think when Jesus said, you know, to the Pharisees, they strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. You ever thought about that? You strain out a gnat? How big is a gnat? (laughs) And then you swallow a camel. I think it's funny. I remember, I'll, I'll say these things over the years, and I've had one, maybe two People approach me afterwards, confront me after a service, telling me, no, Jesus was not funny, didn't have a sense of humor, I'm thinking, where do you think you got, well, you don't have a sense of humor, honestly." (laughs) but where do you think we got our sense of humor from? See, the reason why we don't understand the humor of it is because we don't understand the Jewish idioms. We're in a different culture. Always remember that. Our culture is different. Our humor is different. Theirs is different too. Now, I think there's a funny thing that's happening in this story if you just stop and think about it, okay? Has the woman been through a lot in her life? We know in a few verses how many times she's been married because we said it last week. How many times she's been married? Five times. Is she living with a guy right now? Yeah, we find that. Now, does she know who Jesus is? Does she know he's God who created the universe? She doesn't know any of that. And here's this guy. He comes up to her because he's just another guy to her who's a Jewish man. And they don't get along with The Samaritans don't get along with them. And so he says, I got some living water, you know, and it's a free gift. You think just maybe, just maybe she hears that, doesn't know it's God in the flesh. Here's another guy that's just coming up to me. And, you know, he's giving me his line like he's got the gift of all this stuff like that. She's saying, I don't want to hear it from another guy. You think it's possible? Please say yes. yes. Praise the Lord. Okay. I think, it's, I think that's a comical thing because you've got to take, look, please quit elevating all these biblical people in there to some position of some holiness and getting, they're humans like you and I. Ladies, you're sitting by that well. This guy comes up. I got some water for you. I mean, he didn't say it like that. So... So, so don't come and confront me afterwards, okay? And those online watching later, don't, don't talk to me Sunday. I, I get it, okay? I'm just corny, okay? For years, I was known as Pastor Corn, in case some of you didn't, didn't know that. But think about it. She could interpret that. He's just trying to give me a line. That's all he's trying to do. She doesn't, she doesn't know. And it's like when she says, you have nothing to draw the water with. It's like, back off, guy. Back up. I am not interested in you. But, is, but Jesus, does he back off? No, because he's not trying to give her a line. He's trying to bring salvation to this woman. Does that make sense? I think it makes perfect sense. So, number two in your notes. Now, the second thing is, once I receive salvation, the source of satisfaction is within me. Right? Okay. She comes to that well Day after day, right? Day after. Oh man, all my baby boomers let me down right now. Wow. Okay. But anyway, that was a song from the 70s in case somebody didn't remember that. But so she comes to the well day after day, and does it satisfy? A little bit. Does it continue? Does she have eternal satisfaction because of that? An inner satisfaction? No. But she's got to come day after day to get a little bit of satisfaction, right? Think now. How does that compare? Think of the parallel. When you read scripture, think of the parallels. Everything that's going on, put the whole narrative together. How many times she'd been married? Does her going to that well day after day parallel how many times she'd been married? In a way it does, doesn't it? In a way she's gone from one relationship to the next relationship to the next relationship to the next one and to the next one and now she's living with this guy and she's trying to find satisfaction the way she comes to the well every day. Do you see that right there? There is this parallel in her life, and she's in one bad relationship after. Does it satisfy? Do her relationships satisfy her? There is no way they satisfy her. Now, <clears throat> what's Jesus telling her? He is telling her that. Did I read the verses, by the way, when I read that point? Okay. Let me read it. Yeah, it didn't make sense. Let me read it. Okay. Verse 13, 14. If I don't read the verses, somebody stop me, please, and say, read the verses. Jesus answered and said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will what? You thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Ah, you're going to keep coming to this well. It's a picture of the relationships in your life, and you'll never be satisfied because you cannot be eternally or consistently satisfied with things outside of your body, right? Right? I mean, let's take, for instance, you get a new car. How long does that make you happy? A week? A month. First payment. Best way to say it. Paul, don't steal my jokes, okay? I'm just joking. But it doesn't give you, It, it gives you this momentary stuff, right? But then it wears off. And then we got to find something new. That's why, do you know, that's why some people get in debt so much because they're always having to buy a next thing and a next thing and a next thing because they're looking for satisfaction. But things outside of our body don't satisfy. Now, let me go back in time for some of you that don't know my story. Those of you who've been here a long time, you know my story, but just the, those of you who've been here a long time, pretend like you've never heard this before and go, wow, I didn't know this about you. Okay, but hey. Anyway. So I've been, well, thank you. I've been saved 42 years. I didn't, I didn't grow up in church. Wasn't part of my life. Didn't want to be a Christian. You know that. I got. I, I became a believer at age 23. When I turned 21, um, me and my friends, we turned 21. We started to um, go to Las Vegas. And um, if you go, to, I'm not here to condemn anybody who goes there. And and you want to spend 20 bucks, I don't. I really don't care. But if you're, but if you're blowing your money on uh, your mortgage money, or, and you're not tithing and you're blowing, then we got a problem, okay? Yeah, then we, then something else is God. So um, we'd go there, and we'd go about every couple months. And, you know, losing money was really fun, you know, so. I, we were, we'd be so into it that sometimes, remember, this is before B.C., before Christ in Jim Delcan was like, Saturday night, we'd party hardy, and uh, I know it's hard to imagine that I could have ever been that guy because I looked like an angel, right? But anyway. But, um, oh boy. Sometimes on a partying Saturday night, me and my buddy, we would wake up at 6 in the morning, Sunday morning, not to go to church, mind you. We'd get in the car and we would drive to Las Vegas to spend a day there. We'd get there. And back in those days, the, star, the Stardust behind there had a motorhome park with a big pool. We'd go there, we'd park on the other side of the fence in the back in my van. Then we we change into our trunks. How many know this? the proper term is trunks, right? Not swimming shorts. But Then we jump the fence, jump in the pool. That was our shower. Yeah, I was kind of crazy, okay? So, jump in there, swim for a while. That's my shower. Get out, go in, back in my van, dry up, put deodorant on, change, comb our hair, with, the, with the, and now we're ready for the day in Las Vegas. And we spend the day there, and then we drive home that night. Is that insane or what? Yeah, but that's the way we were. That's the way it was. Now, I can vividly remember that I really enjoyed Las Vegas about the first six, seven times I went with my friends. And then there came a time I remember I'd be there and like, I'm so bored. I remember I wouldn't even be gambling. I'm sorry, gaming. It sounds so much better. Um, you know how they spin things always. And I'd watch my friends at the blackjack table, and I'm just like, I am so bored. And I wouldn't tell anybody this, but I was just bored out of my mind. I can remember I got bored with that. I got bored with drinking. I would only drink to get drunk so I could feel okay for a couple hours. And, of course, that wore off the next day or that later that night. I was 23 I had a 63 Corvette. I had a Dodge van with carpeting, paneling and radical stereo and a motorcycle all at the same time. And I was bored out of my mind. I was bored. You see, there's nothing. And I I learned that the hard way that there's nothing outside of my body that can give me eternal happiness. There's nothing that can bring me inner joy in my life. And, And I thought about this more and more and more You know, uh, right now, Olivia and I, I'm trying to talk her into getting rid of more stuff in the house and downsizing. I have no emotional attachment to things in that house. And so I don't know if anybody like me. And I'm wondering if that's just part of it. I just, I don't want to get attached to things. It's not, I learned the hard, I don't know if that's it or not, but you learn that, you know what? There's nothing that can give me joy except for Christ, the Holy Spirit in my heart. When you finally learn that, and you finally get that, you'll want to study the Bible. You'll want to spend time with God. You'll want to worship your Lord Jesus Christ because this is the source of of happiness. That woman's coming there every day, and she's not satisfied, and she's an empty woman. And Jesus says to her, what great words. He who drinks of this water will what? Thirst again. You're going to thirst again and again. And again, it will never satisfy. And then he says, but the water that I give you. He's got this whole different type of water. He's got this whole different experience. Let me tell you how that translates into relationships. I, I don't need, I love my wife, but I don't need her to make me happy. And if I think that some other person is going to make me happy, I'm, I'm gonna, it's going to be a fail. It's not going to work. I have happiness. You hear me say this a lot. I have happiness. I have Jesus. And so I should bring happiness into the relationship. Amen? Amen? Now, I didn't understand that when I got married. So we went through six years of real bad up and downs because of me. But once I understood it, once I started to heal up with the baggage, boy, it changed everything in my life. Now, let's drill down on this whole thing. The water that I give you. Now, she comes there to that well. We're not moving on yet from your verses. Now, the water probably is in the well, probably stagnant, I would guess. But he says, I've got this living water. And the word living water is the idea of flowing water. So he's got something that's not stagnant and something that's flowing in life. Now, question, is the woman's life stagnant? You better believe, comes again, comes again, comes again. One husband, two husbands. It's a stagnant life. It's a repeat cycle over and over and over again, and there's no satisfaction. Now, Jesus is offering her something that will bring her life and cause her to really, really live. But, sidebar, when Jesus says, um, um, I have come to give you life and that more abundantly, Notice he didn't say, I came to give you information. Some Christians think that's all it's about. Just teach me more. Sorry, that's not what it's about. You take the information, the truth, and then you apply it. And if you don't apply it, you're just going to stay stagnant. You want the water of living water to flow from your life. Now... I've made this quote before in times past. You'll hear it again in the future. i say it every so often. And I love the quote. I don't remember who, who said it, but I took it, and I'm making it as my own now forever. If what the Holy Spirit tells you to do is boring, bland, or predictable, it's not the Holy Spirit. It's not the Holy Spirit. He would never give us something boring, bland, or predictable. The Holy Spirit is not stagnant. The Holy Spirit is moving. The Holy Spirit is active. And he will move us and shake us to experience life. Don't you enjoy a challenge as a human being? Don't you enjoy moving forward in things and seeing productivity and things? like? Don't you enjoy that? You jump on the Holy Spirit's Mr. Toad's wild ride, and boy, you will find yourself in places where you're being pushed and shoved by the Spirit of God as you surrender. And man, you will feel more alive than you've ever felt in your life. It's one of the greatest things you'll ever experience. Now, look at verse 15. Verse 15 says, now, after he tells her uh, this whole thing, the woman said to him, well, here's her response to all of it. It's great. Sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. She goes, wait, sounds great. Give me the water. Physical, right? She's not thinking spiritual. Give me the water. And I won't have to come here anymore. Jesus, what He did previously he said, "Go deep, lady. Go deep." She goes shallow. Yeah, hey, give me that. Give me that. Physical, give me that. Why I don't have to come back? No, no, no. Jesus wants to go deep in this woman's life. So watch this. Number three in your notes. Jesus connects her thirst to her current living arrangements. Jesus connects her thirst to her current living arrangements. Look at verse sixteen, seventeen. Here it comes. Here, here, here's where the rubber meets the road. He said to her, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said I have no husband. <clears throat> this is where it gets great. She says, Give me the water. Give me the water. Jesus says, Okay. But you do one thing for me first. Just go home and get your husband and bring him back, and we'll continue this whole thing. She doesn't know he's the God man, right? She just thinks he's the Jewish guy here. So in her mind, he knows nothing about me. We just met. And so she says, I have no husband. Is that true? Half truth. It's a half truth. Does Jesus know it's a half truth? He's the God man. She doesn't know he's the God man. She has no idea. So she's coming up with this, well, I have no husband. Now, okay, now this is where, look, this is, I think this is the way the Holy Spirit works in my life, your life, all of our lives now. Here, here we go. Why? This is why we talked last week. Why is she coming at noontime for water? It's shame. She's an outcast of outcasts, right? Five husbands living with one right now. So she comes at noon, hottest time of the day. Women did not come by themselves like she is, nor at noon to come get water because the container filled up could be up to 40 pounds worth weight of water. You don't come by herself, but here she comes. So <clears throat> you have to think of what Jesus is doing in her life right now. She's trying to cover her pain. I have no husband. I come here at noon. Uh, nobody's going to know that I'm here. I come by myself. She has a dissatisfying life, and Jesus is going to try to get into that life to heal her of her pain, shame, and dissatisfaction. Amen? We're not told what happened to the first five husbands, huh? We don't know. They could have all died, or they could have all divorced her. We don't know anything about the husbands whatsoever. We don't even know if the first two divorced her, because in that day, you could divorce a woman so fast. It was just that fast. And, um, And that was culture. That's not scripture. And so maybe the third, fourth husband, maybe that guy was a good man. But maybe he died. And maybe that broke her heart even more. We don't know anything about these people. Now, we do know this. How many husbands has she had? And what's she doing right now? Is she looking for relationship? Is she looking for companionship? That's a human thing, isn't it? It's a human thing. And when people don't find that, they'll stoop to making some pretty bad decisions in their life, right? Would you agree? Yes. Because it's a human thing. You want relationship. And so now, she's living with this man in this relationship. <clears throat> Let me throw one more thing in the mix. Maybe, here's another possibility. Maybe the first five divorced her. And now with the sixth, She's like, I I don't want to get married again. Why would I want to go through that again? Why would I want to feel pain again? If the first five rejected me, why would I want to be rejected again? And maybe, and this is, trust me, in counseling, you see these things. And maybe that's why she chooses to live with this guy because she has control in the relationship. Therefore, he won't divorce me. Therefore, I don't have to go through abandonment. I will have control of my life. Does that make any sense? That's a possibility. People do this all the time. She said, no, they don't. Start talking to people, okay? And you're going to find these things are very true. Start getting into the pain of people's lives. Now, let me give you some without a doubt. Without a doubt, her Samaritan blended religion between what, what the Assyrians brought in and what the Jews believed blended, it left her empty, did it not? Never forget that, that all the false religions in this world, Christianity is the only one, and it's not a religion, it's a relationship... All the false religions, they leave a person empty, whether they're going to admit that thing or not. Second matter of fact, now you really see why Jesus had to pass through Samaria, right? This woman is in pain. This woman is filled with shame. This woman is alone. This woman is deeply hurt in life. And Jesus come along and says, I got to heal this woman. I got to fix the things in her life. Now, remember I told you last week the possibility that when the disciples, Jesus sent them to buy food, right? It's possible that when they went to buy food, who was coming this way? She was. And they passed her. They probably didn't even look at her, talk to her. And here's this person who's wounded, in pain, by herself, in shame, broken heart. And the disciples walked right by her. And that's what I told you last week. Never, ever underestimate in a church service or fellowship. Go talk to somebody you do not know. Go say hi to somebody you do not Don't go to the... When they, please. Because you might be the only person that talked to them or acknowledged them that day. And you don't know what could come of that where somebody starts to talk and share. Look, just to give you a for instance of the pain in people's lives. When I have the altar times like I had Sunday, Right? You don't want prayer, fine. Go stand on the side and come and watch the faces. Look at the faces. You want to see pain? You want to see tears? You want to see what people are going through? you see it right there. Because that's real life in that moment. And we have a great opportunity of ministering instead of just walking right by people. Now, <clears throat> Jesus is there to heal her, Correct. Save her. Correct? But watch what he does first. This is is important. Number four. Jesus tears away the bandage to reveal and heal the wound. He rips the bandage off to reveal and to heal the wound in her life. Now look at verse 18. He had just told her, You have correctly said I have no husband. Then he adds in verse 18, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. Whoa. (laughs) How does Jesus know everything about this stranger? He's God. And as God, he's omniscient, right? He knows everything. He knows what you ate for lunch today. He knows every thought you and I thought today. Awful, huh? He knows everything, and he still loves us. Is that wild or what? He knows it all. And now, because he said that, what is this woman starting to think about him? This is no ordinary guy. This is no ordinary guy. He knows my whole life. How does he know my whole life? Question, does the woman run away after being exposed? The answer is no. The answer is no. Why not? Because Jesus didn't condemn her and Jesus didn't shame her. He just simply stated the truth. Have you ever thought, just thought, about the tone of Jesus' voice when he's interacting with people? Some of us have wrong concepts of the tone of Jesus' voice. We think it's a condemning, hard voice. you got to rework that. He loves this person. He loves us. Think about the tone in his voice as he talks to this woman, as he shares the truth. With her. Now, <clears throat> Jesus... When he first met her back in the beginning and said, give me a drink, he could have let off with, give me a drink, and by the way, you've had five husbands, you're living with the guy right now, right? He could have started that way, right? What would have happened had he done that? Forget you, you're criticizing me, she gets defensive, I'm done, so, uh-uh. So therefore, now we realize that timing and trust are important in talking to people and sharing with people, Right? Timing's important. Build relationship. Did he build rapport? Yes, he did. Did he build trust? Yes, he did. Now, he built all these things, and now he's able to say that to her because what has she bit? She's bit on the living water. I don't have to come here again. Something will satisfy me deeper. And now she's ready to listen to anything. This guy's offered me something. He goes, we'll call, go get your husband and come here. And price probably says a real real cool voice. So she's not running. She's not running. So the relationship is there. <clears throat> so back to the issue. Jesus peels the bandage off to heal the wound. What's the wound? You've had five husbands. You're living with a guy right now. It's just let me share something about that with you. Um, five husbands. Just to give you a sidebar. Um Statistically, the second, third, fourth marriage, less chance of survival. We pretty much know that, right? But do we know why? But do we know why? And I'm not here to condemn anybody who's gone through a divorce. I hope the next one works out great. But let me tell you why. A big reason why the second, third don't work out as well. We don't deal with our baggage. We don't deal with our issues. And so you've seen it where people rebound very fast, huh? And you're like, oh gosh, oh no, oh no. They rebound fast. And they don't deal with the baggage or the hurt or the pain of what happened in this relationship or what happened in their childhood, and they get in another relationship, you're going to make me happy. But because we tend to marry and date what we're used to, what feels right, based on past issues and baggage, so we pick another person that fits the baggage issue. Amen? And so we carry all these things. And let's say in in, in a person's life, I'll give you a for instance, because this one happens quite often. Let's say a woman, it could be a man. Let's say a woman, she gets married, and the guy cheats on her. And that's pain, hurt, and lack of trust now, right? There's trust. Any amens, right? It's a trust issue now. Okay. She doesn't deal, let's say she doesn't deal with it. And then she meets, you know, Prince Charming, and uh, gets married, and she has trust issues, last guy cheated on me, and this and that. And then, one day, he's 30 minutes late from work. And what does her lack of trust issue tell her? You're cheating on me. Where were you? He comes to the door, and she's she's letting the guy have it. He doesn't know what he's done wrong. He doesn't know why this is why she's telling these things. He just got stuck on the ninety one freeway, but he doesn't know that she and like I said, it could be here. He do not know that she has taken previous husband's face and put it on him. And now he's the devil. Does that make sense? You know how many times I have counseled that in my 30-some years? It's incredible. It's incredible. And that's because there's pain in there. Listen, 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 listen. That's why you people don't let kids at 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, don't let them date. Don't let them date. It's like, well, you know, I got... No, be a parent. Because all that's going to happen is they're going to date, break up, date, break up, date, break up. What's happening to their heart with every breakup? Scarring. Scarring that heart. Scarring that That child is not emotionally ready to handle such things. And so then they become adults and they bring all that scarring with them and all these wounds, and all the pain, and they cover it with bandages like this woman right here. <clears throat> look, look, for what it's worth, um, if any of us are going to heal up, I mean, continue to mature and heal up for our past emotions, you've you, you got to peel the bandage off. You've got to deal with the wounds. When I talk to people, the people in denial are the toughest ones. But I just have to listen and listen, and I listen, and I listen for the inconsistencies, and I listen. And then I start asking questions about this, and they said that, and they said this. And then pretty soon, you, here it comes. Here comes the pain. Here it comes. Because people carry it. <coughs> okay. So I was talking to this person once. And um, something happened in their life over 60 years before the moment I talked to him. He said, that's a long time. (laughs) The soul is a very complex thing. Who can understand it all? This person, when they were, the dad abandoned the family. Dad issues are big, especially with men. Um, Dad abandoned the family. And so he remembers his dad would come back once in a while with the family. And then one time, he was in elementary school, I don't know, eight or nine, and his dad came home. And his dad was leaving again. And he wanted to go with his dad. And then he shared this. He said, I wanted to go with my dad. I was following him. My dad picked up rocks and started throwing them at me and said, get away from me. Just get away from me. And he never forgot that. And he told me this, as we're dialoguing it more and more. He said, all my life I have felt insecure all my life I've needed affirmation from people and when I don't get it I think that people don't like me or don't want me he still thinks people are throwing the rocks at him 60 plus years later and I was trying to uncork the lie based on that to try to bring him to wholeness and wholeness takes its process See, we've got to peel the bandages back. It's the only way it works. That's what Jesus is doing in this woman's life. He's going to save her, but he's also going to start healing the emotional pain in her life and never underestimate emotional pain in people's life. So something that I think is real important. We're not coming back here. Turn to Luke to your left. Luke chapter 24. Watch this. This is Jesus after the resurrection, and he's on the road to Emmaus. He's walking with a couple guys. And, you know, these guys don't know who they're walking with. It's Jesus, the resurrected Jesus. They have no clue. And I'm not going to read the whole story. I've got to read just a few passages here and there. Look at verse 15 and 16. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. They don't know it's Jesus. Verse 70. He said of them, what are these words that um, you are exchanging with one another as you are walking? And they stood still looking sad. Can I show you something funny about Jesus? I was going to stop there, but let me read two more verses. One of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? In other words, are you the only one who don't know about this Jesus who was crucified? This is Jesus, guys. Okay, you don't, don't know. And then watch what Jesus says in verse 19. And he said to them, what things? Isn't that hilarious? Uh, what, what, it's like, anybody remember Columbo? Uh you know, what, what things, you know? I think that's so funny of Jesus to do that. Now, moving on to the story, look at verse 27. Then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Stop, sidebar, what did Jesus just do about the Old Testament? He affirmed it to be what? True. True. Jesus, the God-man, affirms the entire Old Testament, Jonah in the big fish, Adam and Eve as real living people, everything, he affirms it all. The parting of the Red Sea, you name it, he affirmed it in that statement. He took them all the way through it. Remember that. Verse 28. And they approached the village where they are going, and he acted as though he were going further. Stop. Is Jesus a great actor? He acted their house. He goes, okay, I'll see you later. And they're very hospitable, these people in this culture. So he acts, verse 29, but they urged him, saying, stay with us, for it's getting toward evening, and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and blessed it, and breaking it, he began giving it to them. Stop. Is that his house? No. Does he take over his host? He captures the house and takes over his host. He's breaking the bread. That's not his role in that house. I love that, don't you? He's a little bit of rebellion right now. I'm just joking. So he gets the bread. He's passing out. Verse 31. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. Because he's God. He can do whatever he wants. Why do they recognize him? Why do they recognize him? They didn't recognize him before. Watch. Look at me. Takes the bread. Breaks it. Why do they recognize him? His sleeves pull back as he stretches his arms out. And there's the nail mark in the wrist. Remember, it's not in the hand. It's in the wrist. And they see the scars. They see his scars. Never forget that Jesus was not ashamed to show his scars that helped them to see him for who he really was and it helped them for salvation. Never be afraid to show your scars because people will come out of the woodwork and say, me too, me too, me too. We all carry scars. Never forget that. Amen. I'm done. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for such a great event. and we're we're only two, one half of the way through this. But we're so grateful, God, that you had a through Samaria to reach down to the deepest depths of this woman's sin and suffering like you do in our lives to heal us, God. We thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' name we pray and we all said, amen, amen and amen. If you need prayer or dedicated your life to Christ, please reach out to us on our social media. On Facebook and Instagram at NBCC Norco, or email us at hello at NBCC.com. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to share and subscribe to this podcast.